Hope you still got your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 12. We have quickly reached the halfway points of the current sermon series that we're doing, which is Daniel chapters 1 through 6. Today is a standalone sermon, and Lord willing, we'll look at Daniel chapter 4 uh, next week. So maybe you got a chance to look at this uh, per the email that I sent out. I said that our text this morning was specifically uh, Romans 12, c So that would be the last third of the verse, Romans 12, 11. Look at what it says there at the end, what Ray just read for us. I think Ray and Ray, it's Ray Sunday. It says there at the end of verse 11, serve the Lord. So let's pray together. Join me in prayer. Lord, help us now in these moments. What a good thing to silence our hearts and our voices as we have done to bow before you, for you are great, you are God, you are holy. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity of corporate confession this morning and for the reminder and the encouragement of pardon through Jesus Christ and through his shed blood. Lord, please help me now to be faithful, faithful to you, to your word. Help us, Lord. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, with our Bibles open to Romans chapter 12, the title of the sermon this morning could be very simple. It is that verse, serve the Lord. I wonder what you make of this quote. It goes like this, to Christ, we are called to give everything without reservation, He has given his all for us. We are to give ourselves entirely to him, holding back nothing. Perhaps we'll come back to that. As the story goes, Peter said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus said to him, in this story that you may know, Jesus said to Peter, what I do now You do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said, Lord, you will never wash my feet. To which Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And then Peter, if we know Peter, we're not surprised. Peter says, well, in that case, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus says, in a sense, settle down. The one who has bathed is clean, does not need to be washed except for his feet. You're completely clean. And the Lord Jesus said also in that instance, using the you plural, he said, you are clean, but not all of you. Not all of you. Look again at Romans 12, verse 11. 
there again with me again at 11C. It says, serve the Lord. Now, just as a preliminary note, uh, before we even get into the, the, the headings this morning, as we see that little simple phrase, those three words, serve the Lord, let me just, as a preliminary, say that only Christians can serve the Lord. Only Christians can serve the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you too need the Word of God this morning. Uh, what you primarily need is to be uh, converted to Christ. Uh, what you primarily need is to be born again, or as we may say, to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from the wrath of God. I just glanced quickly at uh, Romans chapter 8. You can do that as well if you like. Romans 8 verse 9, we see here who, who the uh, intended recipients of Paul's letter are. To whom is Paul writing? Well, if you look in verse 9 of Romans chapter 8, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. But then what did he say back in verse 8? Well, in verse 8, he said, those who are in the flesh, what? Cannot please God. And so just by way of preliminary this morning, as the title of our sermon says, and, and not just the title, but as the text says, serve the Lord, this would not be possible for an unbeliever. Hear what Spurgeon said. He said, the man who would render service must beforehand be accepted as a servant. If a stranger should, of his own accord, visit your farm and should commence driving the horses, milking the cows, reaping the wheat, and so on, if you had never employed him, he would be fulfilling the part of an intruder rather than the office of a servant. Now, it is not every man who is fit to be a servant of God. Serve the Lord, and only through the Lord Jesus Christ can we serve the Lord. But through Jesus and through his sacrifice, through his shed blood, and through the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon his church, we can obey this command, serve the Lord. Let's think about two headings this morning as we look at these three words. Let's think about two headings, and then after those two headings, we'll try to think about some, some implications in light of what we've seen. First, we want to see serve the Lord, and then second, we want to see the serving Lord. Serve the Lord, and then second, the serving Lord, and then some implications from the scripture of the Lord, point number one, heading number one. Look at verse 11 now in its entirety. It says in Romans 12, 11, the word of God through the apostle Paul, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Look at it again. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. 
Now, under this first heading of serve the Lord, let me point out a few things. Let me point out a few things about the context in which these three words come. And the first thing that I want to point out about the context in which these three words, serve the Lord, come, is that this command is given in the context, we might say, of the local church. When you look at what Paul is saying here, not just these three words and not just verse 11, but when you look at the context, this commands, because that's what it is, right? Let's make sure that we've got that in our minds. This command to serve the Lord comes in the context of the local church. Paul wrote this letter to specific believers. God has preserved it for the church universal, we might say, but Paul wrote this to believers in a specific geographical location, to the church at Rome. This command, serve the Lord, is meant to be obeyed not by you on your own. It is meant to be immediately and joyfully obeyed in the fellowship of believers, the local church. And so, friends, really what I'm excited about is really what we're talking about this morning, although we're talking about service, uh, Christian service. Really what we're talking about in the, in the big picture is we're talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the local church, and then we're talking about the Lord Jesus himself. That's really what we're focusing on this morning, is the Lord Jesus and his church. You, you cannot make sense of these uh, various commands here in Romans 12, 9 through 13. You can't make sense of them in isolation. Uh, you cannot obey these commands uh, in isolation. All of them depend upon the context of the fellowship of the local body. So that's one thing I want to point out under this heading of serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in the context of the local body. But then another thing is that this is given to us in the context of Romans 9 through 16. While we zoom in on three words only, let's notice the forest as well. This is given to us in the context of Romans 9 through 16. Now, not long ago, a month or so ago, we finished a series on Romans chapters 1 through 8. Now, you may know, and this isn't always the case, but you may be aware that in Paul's letters, of which there are many in the New Testament, I think it's 13, in Paul's letters in the New Testament, at least some of the more prominent ones, like Ephesians and Romans, you do seem to have this pattern to where he begins the letter with a section on, on theology or doctrine, and then we might say, although I don't love this way of putting it, then in the second half of the letter, he gives a practical instruction. A better way of saying it is that Paul will often begin his letters with gospel doctrine, and then he follows that with the implications from that gospel doctrine. Well, so Romans chapters 1 through 8 would be his gospel doctrine, which, by the way, happens to also be very practical. And the practical parts of his letter happen to be also uh, saturated with and in light of the gospel. 
So I'm just, for a minute or two here, just pointing out that our exhortation from today comes in the context of Romans 9 through 16. Turn to Romans 9 for a minute. There's a key verse here. There's a key verse in Romans 9, and it's verse 6. Paul says, But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. That's the key verse for Romans 9 through 11. And maybe has implications even beyond that. At the very least, Romans 9, 6 is the key verse for Romans 9 through 11. It's not as though the word of God has failed. The word of God will not, cannot, has not failed. Now just glance back up at verses 1 through 5. Romans 9, 1 through 5. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, Romans 9, 4. And to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. As we're looking at the context here of Romans 9 through 16, and as we've already said that verse 6 is a key verse One of the things that we notice in verses 1 through 5, or one of the things that I see there, uh, one takeaway is, I would say, evangelism. Verses 1 through 5 doesn't speak directly about evangelism. It speaks directly about Paul's heart and his prayer. But an implication of this is surely evangelism, or we might say the Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission is? Have you heard that phrase, the Great Commission? What is the Great Commission? Why is it so great? Well, in many ways, the Great Commission is the marching orders for the church for all time. The Great Commission are those precious words, the the last words, you might say, of the Lord Jesus at the very end of Matthew, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them. We see this here. You might know that Romans chapter 9 is famous for being a chapter on the doctrine of election. But what we see here, even as Romans 9 teaches about election, as does the end of Romans chapter 8, in between those two things, we see Paul's missionary heart. How does this have to do with what we're saying today? Well, one thing, it's, again, it's the, it's the context of Romans 9 through 16. For another thing, it's one of the key ways that we can remember to serve the Lord. We serve the Lord in our witness to Christ through our word and deed. We serve the Lord, hear me this morning, through our witness to Christ in word and deed. Here in this bombshell chapter about election, we see the heart of the Apostle Paul. We're going to sing about this later. We see Paul's heart 
And his heart for the church, listen, his heart for the church at Rome was this, that they be united and that they be outward focused. That they be united and that they be outward focused. Serve the Lord, brothers and sisters, by God's grace, serve the Lord. This is in the context of the local church. This is in the context of Romans 9 through 16. Look at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, or as the Apostle John says, do not love the world. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Stott says this, listen, he says, the major secret of holy living is in the mind. That's what this context is when he says serve the Lord. It comes into the context of practical instruction. Practical instruction about what? About holy living. And the major secret of holy living is in the mind. It's not first and foremost, give me a list of things to do to serve the Lord. Give me a list of things not to do to serve the Lord. No, it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed in your mind. Have the mind of Christ. Now, before we leave this first heading, which is simply serve the Lord, let me point out one more thing. It comes in the context of the local church. It comes in the context of Romans 9 through 16. And please note even quickly that it comes in the context of love. It comes in the context of love. This is key. What does it say in verse 9? What did Ray read to us? Romans 12, 9. Remember, for the 13th time, what's the focus? It's 11C, serve the Lord. But he begins in verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. That ties in to why we say it's local church, right? Love one another with brotherly affection. Friends, I do want to exhort you this morning. Church members of Crossway Church of Goldsboro in particular, I do want to exhort you, but I also want to be quick to say that we've all failed in this. I do want to be quick to say that we've all failed in serving the Lord, which, in, which becomes a failure ultimately of love. A failure to serve the Lord is a failure of love toward God and love toward neighbor. Because we see that I do want to exhort you, but I do want to say that through the grace of repentance, we can find restoration through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
We do not have to be burdened with guilt because in many ways to varying degrees, we have all sinned in this way. We have all failed to serve the Lord, which is a failure of love. Let love be genuine, verse 9. Love one another with brotherly affection. There's no way that you as a Christian, there's no way that you as a Christian can get out of this command ultimately to serve the Lord. There is a sense in which this must be true of every blood-bought follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let us begin with repentance and seeking the Lord for the help that he alone can give through the Holy Spirit. The second heading, and this must be our foundation. The second heading is the serving Lord. Serve the Lord. You cannot serve the Lord unless there is a serving Lord. Now, you may keep your place here for a moment. I'd like for you to do that. I'd like for you to turn to John 13. Turn with me to John chapter 13. And as we turn there, the story is told of Puritan John Howe, who briefly served as chaplain to Oliver Cromwell. I don't know if you know that name, Oliver Cromwell. John Howe, Puritan, was his chaplain. During this time, he was often approached for assistance by others, and he never refused any worthy request. One day, Cromwell said to him, Mr. Howe, have you... You have asked favors for everybody except for yourself. When does your turn come? How the Puritan chaplain replied, My turn, my Lord Protector, is always come when I can serve another. My turn is always come when I can serve another. And you may know that in John chapter 13, we see Jesus as both Savior and example. Jesus is our example He must be more more than that or else we are doomed. He must also be our Savior, but he is both. Now, John chapter 13, look at verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Stop there for just a moment. John 13, 1 through 5. One of the things among many that I love about that passage is that one phrase. Did you catch it? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. His is the complete love for his own. 
His is a complete love. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It speaks about his mindset. He knew, did you catch it? He knew certain things, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand knowing that he had come from God and that he was going back to God, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist. He filled a basin with water and he began to go one by one. And Judas is included. Judas is there. And he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry their feet with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. One man pointed out, that perhaps it dawned on them later. That was the last time we ever saw his back without the scars that he was shortly about to receive. The scripture also tells us what, that he knew, remember we're emphasizing, he knew that his hour had come to return to the Father. Look at verse six. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. This is what we talked about earlier at the very beginning. Skip down to verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, John 13, 16, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, Crossway, blessed are you if you do them. Let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers as well. This really, friends, this really is the heart of the matter. The serve, this is our second heading, the serving Lord. Serve the Lord. Dear friends, dear Christians, serve the Lord. Serve, serve the church. Jesus Christ identifies with his people. So serve this church. Serve this church, member of Crossway Church. But the the crux of the matter, the heart of the matter is the serving Lord. Now, one of the passages that we go to that that you don't have to turn to, that we go to frequently here is in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It's just one of those famous passages. Talks about the, the incarnation, God become man. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I thought this was really interesting. It's been pointed out the parallels between John 13 and Philippians 2. Just just listen briefly to this. It may not, I don't guarantee that it'll blow your socks off or anything, but just listen carefully to the parallels as John in John 13 talks about the mind, his mindset, and as Paul clearly in Philippians 2 talks about the mind of Christ. Listen to these parallels. Hear the gospel. 
In John, it said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God. And in Paul, it says, being in the form of God. In John, it said, he rose from supper. In Paul, Philippians 2, it says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In John 13, it said, he laid aside his outer garments. In Philippians 2, it says, he made himself nothing. In John 13, it said, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And in Philippians 2, it says, taking the form of a servant. In John 13, it said, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And in Paul, in Philippians 2, it says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, and we could actually go on. But the point is, is that Jesus is doing two things in John 13. Jesus is doing two things. On on the basic level, he's saying, I'm giving you an example that you should serve others. You should do what I'm doing. But in in the greater sense, what he's doing is he's giving a parable of the gospel because he knew that his hour was at hand. If he would do the greater, listen, then he would also do the lesser. If he was about to lay down his life on the cross for them and for us, dying as our substitute, dying for everyone who will ever repent of their sins and trust in him, if he was about to do the greater than this one who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, he could also do the lesser. This ultimately is a parable of his sacrificial death for us. Well, we've looked at our two major headings. Serve the Lord and the serving Lord. You may turn back to Romans 12. Four things here. Four things under the final heading of, this is very simple, serve the serving Lord. Do you see the central point this morning? Do you see Jesus Christ? Do you see the Lord Jesus? According to the text, do you see him kneeling before his disciples, even before his betrayer? Having loved his own who are in the world, he what? He loved them to the end. And so the call for us, Romans 8, 9, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, the call for us is to serve the serving Lord. How do we do that? How do we serve the Lord today? Well, first of all, we just look at the text. That's always the best answer. We just look at the text. Now, just just look at it again. We're not inventing ways of serving the Lord. You can't serve the Lord on your own. You can't truly serve the Lord if you're not a believer. You need to be converted to Christ. 
today. And if you are a believer, you need to serve the Lord. Look again at verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Don't reinvent the wheel. This is all just practical ways here, right? Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Like Jesus said. Like Jesus did. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Dear friends, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And it's right here. Don't forget verses 1 and 2. This is the fountain for all that he says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. As we've read before, so we read again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Holiness is first and foremost not a list of things we do or don't do. It must come through our hands. It must involve action. Know that you are called to serve the Lord and then by his grace, serve the Lord. But it begins in the mind. The secret of holiness as we said earlier, lies in the mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here's an example of serving the Lord, and we've talked about this before. Let me read to you for just a second, Hebrews 10. Listen to Hebrews 10, you don't have to turn there. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Hebrews 3, Mark Hebrews three twelve. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. By the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In many ways, this is the essence of of Crossway Church and who we desire to be under Jesus Christ. Hebrews 3, 12 through 14, and Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. I mentioned four things. I've already given you three of them. One, practical, serve the Lord. Don't ever forget Romans 12, 1 through 2. The renewing of your mind. That's everything. The renewing of your, like RC's ministry. Renew your mind. Don't ever forget Romans 12, 1 through 2. Don't reinvent the wheel. 
Just look at the text. Look at the commands that are given, and his commands are not burdensome. Romans 12, 9 through 13. I've given you Hebrews, and to that I would add this, as Mike Gilbert Smith says. Listen to what he says. People attending the membership class at our church are often surprised at the emphasis we place on attending our Lord's Day gathering. However gifted someone might be at talking to teenagers or working on the website, we insist their presence at corporate worship is a far more essential and significant way to serve the flock. This priority isn't just a particular quirk of our church. It should be a biblical priority of every church. Be very careful, friends. Be very careful to ever say, hey, whether it be this church or another church, hey, if I join your church, you think I might have an opportunity to fill in the blank, often teach. If I join your church, do you think there might be a place here to teach service is not about ourselves? Service is about Christ, and it's about the church. Serve the Lord is also not about frenetic activity. Serve the Lord is not about being busy. Many, many churches are just busy, 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 and there's a lot of activity. Serve the Lord does not equal activity. In many ways, if if, if you desire to have a church that's just always doing something, we will, on purpose, disappoint you. Serving the Lord is not equated with busyness. If you're an older person, you can serve the Lord even in infirmity by praying on your bed and by caring. Serving the Lord begins in the mind. It's an instinctive thing through the Holy Spirit. It's about loving and caring. Do you love the brothers and sisters in the church? Do you first of all love the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he become your treasure? Has he transformed your life so that you love him? and you love his cross, and you love his resurrection, do you love his people? Is that clear and evident in your life? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Well, how do we get involved? How do we get involved? And again, that third point was just make the Gathering just a humongous priority in your life. Well, how do we get involved? I do feel a burden as one of the elders of this church. I do feel a burden to make sure that that question is answered by us in one sense. How do I get involved? How, okay, serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. Awesome. How can I, well, the main answer to that question is really not complicated. It's to, to get involved. It's to be present. It's to care, listen, it's to care enough about those in this church. It's to care enough about your own soul. To care enough about the soul of your brother and sister and to care for your own soul that you're just here and that you just, you're just involved and you begin to do things. Please listen to what Sinclair Ferguson says here. Listen before we close. Service is not a matter of others recognizing our gifts. Service is a matter of us recognizing others' needs. Listen, service is not a matter of doing things for others at our own convenience. Service is a matter of us helping others when they are inconvenienced. Service is not a matter of feeling we have special gifts. 
Service is a matter of us seeing that others have very special needs. Service is not an optional extra for a member of the church. Service is written into the definition of being a member of the church. Not an optional extra. It's written into the very definition. And so we say in light of the cross and the resurrection, we say with the old hymn, come all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for him more fitted. Tune your hearts with one accord. My fellow elders, by God's grace, let us keep serving together. Not for sordid gain, 1 Peter 5. Deacons, serve the Lord. Members, all of us are members. Christian, serve the Lord. Dear friends, let us not merely attend on Sunday mornings and give financially to the church. Let us not merely do those two things. Those two things can be easy in one sense. Oh, let us attend on Sunday mornings. Let us attend more often on Sunday mornings. Let us give financially to the church. Let us do so all the more as the Lord may prosper. Let us make minor or if needed significant changes to our lives in order to serve the church, this church, in order to serve the Lord. Let us repent of sin. Let us repent of sin of not obeying this command of serve the Lord. It's very simple. I don't need to give you any type of Greek exegesis this morning of serve the Lord. Let us repent of our lack of love and let us fix our eyes on the serving Lord. When we serve, we serve the serving Lord who laid down his life for sinners, who laid down his life. Jesus does not say, look at all I've done for you. Now you pay me back. But nevertheless, he laid down his life for us and he calls us by his spirit and by his grace to walk in the path of our greatest happiness which is being a bond slave of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, would you help us this morning? Would you wake us up to your word? Wake us up to your glory, O God. Grant to us repentance and faith. Help us, especially in light of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Lead on, O King Eternal. And may we never lose sight of the cross of our Christ and of this small picture of him washing the feet. Thank you for this example. Help us to walk in this example by your power. Amen.